condition, my condition was in. I woke up this morning with the sundown shining in. Him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind. On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. Just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown shining in. Welcome back, Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Miles, Rick Pappas on the board. SB Futures of a buck and a half. NASDAQ Futures up 25 after a big move up yesterday. Yet another one. His uh, Microsoft was up at one point like 20 bucks. That's, that's a solid. Uh, it's Christmas. Fifteen billion dollars. It's not bad. One day. It's so, Christmas. Yeah. It's a uh, whatever it is now. You're up twenty, thirty, and it's it's driving. I'm not saying badly. It's just driving. You start getting Microsoft twenty two, twenty three PE. If a bench like like that can be there, or any other alleged growth stock, what's the difference? Make it. Why not be? You know, why not, why not be four hundred, five hundred, eight hundred? What's the difference? I mean, it's just the easy money, uh, which is great until. Things run too far if they run too far. If they go you know, too far, then you're long some puts, right? Uh, well, that would be the idea, but the timing is problem. Then Speaking of timing, should we bring on Mr. O'Neill? Some of the gains. Yeah, Kevin, you, you can bring me on. Good morning. What's up? How are you? Good morning. Uh, I, I, I too, I'm a growth stock. Yeah, yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're that way. So uh, uh, now all of a sudden, the, the place that couldn't even get a license in Illinois didn't they originally boot these guys from Illinois? Now Carvana is up thirty percent this morning. Is they have a deal to reduce debt by 1.2 billion? These guys, do they are they even allowed in the state, uh, Greg? They they were booted, weren't they? I've seen the vending machines here. But I thought they were because they did something wrong. The state said you, you had to leave, or they wouldn't they wouldn't license them in Illinois for a while. Yeah. Or we're thinking of booting. I have no idea. But the stock is uh, up 675 this morning. Are they ever going to make a dime? I don't think so. No, I mean it's it's. Uh, we get zero like this. percent of zero is zero. <laughs> yeah, we get like this once in a while, Kevin. And we saw this morning that the uh, Spanish government fined Amazon and uh, Apple for uh, preferring like Apple stuff on Amazon or something over there, and not some kind of anti-competitive thing. How is it? We don't we don't find any any stuff here at all like that. Uh, Everything is fine. What these guys do, you know, it's oh no no no. We love we love collaboration among major corporations. That's not, that's that's just that's called capitalism, yep. buddy. Especially then if you don't stack in them, everything's okay. The uh, you know it's it's <coughs> kind of part of it, and I don't know how you I don't know how you deal with this guy cause, because any you know whenever you see something that's kind of weird, a lot of times if you say people shouldn't be allowed to do that, the the fix is worse than the. Than a disease, right? Because all of a sudden, then who are the guards going to be? Who's going to guard the guards? You know, then you said become, they've been 
They've been sanctioned twice. Yeah. They don't pay any attention to them. Pay the bill and then go on and do it again. See if they get caught again. Well, yeah, because the the cost of defending it versus the cost of um, uh, uh, of uh, uh, versus the uh, revenue related to uh, um, to doing it are and not even the revenue, the profit of doing it are uh, are not even close. Yeah, it's uh, clearly the guy in Chicago that I had for class that said you should be uh, your your fine should be whatever the whatever you benefited from divided by the chance of getting caught. So you make it le- at least make it a rational decision. I mean, we don't do that. Um, yeah, we don't even make it a tough decision. No. It, 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 the, the, only, the only tough part about it is the ethical consideration, and, of course, uh, that's in far too many people's rearview mirror. Oh, without, without question. I, uh, yesterday, all we had on TV was uh, the guy at Bank of America, Moynihan, and I don't, I don't know why, I just the guy just sort of rubs me the wrong way, but it's, I don't even know him. He might be a good guy, who the hell knows. But... Uh, he comes on TV and 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 his he has this these this aura about him that because he's one of these CEO guys even if you think he's a flimflam man he's he's got tremendous I mean he's you, you you defer to these guys more than you would the president not just this president but any president you know I mean you know more than you would a senator more than you would anything yeah and and you shouldn't and you know that what I always tell people is. Um, just remember, they go home. Their teenage kids look at them and go, "God, Dad, do you suck?" Well, but it's it, <laughs> they're it, just like everybody else, you know. It, yes, these are you're talking about accomplished people, um, and, uh, and and so, so there, there's value into the insights that they have to offer, but no more value than anybody else's. But it's it the the difference is when there's money involved, and we become you know we become a country. Money was always important. I mean, don't, don't, don't anybody kid anybody. It was always important to, to anybody individually. Something about tea. Well, you want you want your you want to have enough for yourself, your family, be comfortable. That's that's not just the American way. That's everybody wants a farm big enough to to grow enough grain to feed their family. They want enough cows to feed their or give milk for whatever it is. It's not, this is not new in human. Well, yeah, and you want to own the future, Mister Gates. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you want to have some stab. That you and the people you you care about are going to be okay. I mean, everybody knows that. But if you're the president, if you're, unless you, <laughs> having said that, I immediately talk back. I'm starting to act like George Stigler. Not that I'm an economist or a Nobel Prize winner, but you start thinking of something else in the middle of a statement. Uh, we did have a guy in, in a, a Pedro de Costa. He's come on the show. We should see if we get him back on. Uh, uh, he's come on the show. He was a Wall Street Journal reporter that went to one of the. Uh, Fed uh, was Janet Yellen's press conferences, and he asked her a question she didn't like, and Wall Street Journal heard about it, and the man ended up being uh, tossed. Never went back again. Well, it wasn't just that the Wall Street Journal heard about it, it was that the Wall Street Journal was told about it. Yes. Said, what do you, don't let this guy come back. Anyway, um, when, when a guy like Moynihan comes in, not just him, any of these big shots come on CNBC, everybody thinks these are news stations. Now, there's brilliant people on there, and there's people who try and tell the truth. That that part I get, but there's uh, most most or some are, are are their own shtick. You know, send me a check. The market's going up. Well, they don't know if the market's going up or down. Nobody does. But uh, it seems like it's going up every day now. But the they won't come on if you if if you ask them any sort of question they don't want to hear. They might not even they might even have to see the questions in advance before they come on. So these guys paid a two hundred fifty million dollar fine like ten days ago. 
And now they're on there, and they're, and they're basically performing oral sex on the guy because their earnings came in okay. And now, if you were to say, so, Mr. Moynihan, uh, what about that $250 million fine? What are you guys doing about that? I mean, that seems like a, a pretty and good slap. he's going to tap dance around that he's, and, and, never and come then back. say, why would you ever, why would I ever go on that show again? That's exactly right. That to me. That's exactly right. Now, now <laughs> the president doesn't get to because, do that. Because there is no feeling that, you know, I should be answerable to the investing public for this. Or anybody. They're not answerable to anybody, let alone whoever it is. Certainly not to shareholders. We'll buy the stock back. Screw you. But, yeah, I, I, but, I mean, your politicians, I mean, as much as you might not like, you know, Trump or Biden or any of these people, Dick Durbin, whoever it is, when they have a news conference, there, there are people that are liable to ask them the tough question. might not happen often, but they, they, they don't necessarily get to the, 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 the give you the list of questions that they're going to answer, if not walk out. I mean, you can just walk out, I guess. Biden does it all the time. You know, once he hits a couple of good ones. Yeah, but he doesn't, he's not sure where he's going. Well, he's, he knows he's leaving that spot. Yes. Is it, is it, what does the bartender say? We don't care where you're going, you just can't be here. Can't stay here. Can't stay here. Like, I would do that, too, if I was president. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's... I would just walk out. You don't, I don't have to talk well, to it's you. Well, it's one thing to just walk out. It's it, it's it's quite another to just one, you know, uh, what would be like a Wander Maxwell around. Smart something, you know, yeah. where, you, where you, you, you open the closet door and walk out, and <laughs> next thing you know, you're opening it again and walking back out. Uh, <laughs> what, what a great show, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, talking about Dragnet? No, get smart. Get smart. Get smart. You know, uh, Mel Brooks and uh, oh, what's the guy's name? Who uh, Saturday Night used to, uh, Saturday Night Live used to have, have him host all the time when he was it, wasn't Alan Arkin? Was it? He just died. No. Um, oh shoot! Uh, I've got a picture of him in my mind, and I'll blurt him out you, at you, some you, point you'll, while you'll, we're talking. You'll think of it. What do you? Uh, I know you haven't a chance to dig through it, but my my uh, creatures last night that I met for a bit. Um, all over this uh, this no cash bail thing, uh, Kevin. I I can see I can see both sides of this. I don't. Again, it's it's my uh, for whatever reason this is becoming my my uh, I don't know my, my rant on just about everything uh, from the electrical grid. Hey, get everybody to sit down somewhere over a two week period and say these are all the issues. Make presentations. Decide what we're going to do going forward and who does what. You get figure it out. This is this is this is America. We figured out how to win wars, do all kinds of stuff here. Well, a certain amount of that is in um, is in the um, infrastructure bill. Okay. I know. I, now I'm not I'm not defending it. I think it's a terrible bill, but um, but uh, so I'm not defending the bill. But I know they do have things like building out charging stations on the entire interstate system. Including you know rural rural areas and uh, and such. Um, by the way, it was Buck Henry was the uh, other guy with Mel Brooks yeah. that created Get Smart. Um, so uh, um, you know there there is there is some consideration given to that. Now that's still problematic, and of course nobody has thought this all the way through. But when they when they did the bill, because if you're going to be in the uh, middle of Nebraska or the middle of Idaho or somewhere on an interstate highway and you have to make an accessible charging station uh, at the interstate exit, that means you got to pull the power all the way from the nearest town, which might be 10, 15 miles away. Um, it would seem to me that the infrastructure is already there and it's called gas stations. 
why wouldn't they just do the same thing in the same spot? Um, yeah, they they could do that. Um, they they could do that. But even even some of the gas stations don't have the uh, uh, the power pole to support no, but they have that some. much more. No, but and, they, they uh, have some. Yeah. yeah. And then and then there's been a lot in the, in the news about fast charging, and you're supposed to avoid that when it's really really hot out. Uh, so. No, uh, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm talking there, about. There's is a it. whole practicality thing that goes with this as well. But you're but you're right. Build, uh, building out, uh, you know, building out the power grid needs to be addressed. Now, how is it really going to be addressed? You know, even even though there is uh, money in there for doing it in the infrastructure bill, it's going to be done hodgepodge. It's going to be done with oh, I don't know, a fifty percent, twenty percent, seventy percent construction or. Uh, um, uh, corruption premium, or at least that has to go into it, um, and uh, and we're going to stumble and bumble and take uh, a lot more years than the uh, 2030 uh, deadline for having so many uh, electric cars. But as long road. as the right people get the money, yeah, but, but at some point, Kevin, it, I keep going back to my constant uh, reading about war times and so forth. There always was some. There always was some corruption someplace. I mean, I'm sure they overpaid for some stuff. But it was, you couldn't hold the thing up enough just for your own self-aggrandizement, where people, more people got killed than we're going to, because you might, you might, you might find yourself somewhere, you know, at the end of a something or other. But I mean, this, this, this whole mess now. I mean, to me, it's, it's pretty simple. Okay, and in, in this area, where the, you know, in the Illinois, Ohio, whatever, how big that particular grid is. Okay, uh, what, what. What about the capability? What do we need 15, 20, 30 years from now? All right. And then, well, we got these electric cars, we got this, we got that. All right. We're going to need a 40% upgrade of the, of the grid. Now, where's all the points where people access the grid? Where are they liable to access the grid? All right. We've got a massive potential wind farm in God knows where, northern Wisconsin. Well, that's cool. Now, where's, where's, where's the grid? How close does a grid come to this area where there's going to be a power input? Well, not real close. Okay, so how how much are we going to have to get there? Now, do we, if we want a high a high capacity line from wherever this stuff's going to happen, be it a nuclear plant, be it a windmill, God knows what, we had a high capacity line there. Okay, who's going to pay for it? Well, the people that are selling, maybe the people that are selling the electricity to the grid, need to pay for that piece of it. Okay, so now it enters the grid. In Green Bay. Wait, wait, wait! You want somebody to like invest in their own infrastructure? Well, that that they're going to um, that they're going to use to uh, sell to everybody. Okay, but I'm, what I'm what an astonishing uh, thought. Well, but but what I'm saying is now, okay, it gets to Green Bay. Now, once you get to Green Bay, the rest of the Wisconsin grid is not high capacity; it's the old capacity. I mean, I don't know there are different grades of it, but I know there's the newer stuff that. Doesn't uh, you can put more stuff over a uh, line and it doesn't degrade as much? I don't I don't know what the materials are, but there are a lot more than the other stuff. Okay, so you get there and you're going to say, all right, now wh- who's part of the grid? Well, Ken Watson's part of the grid, obviously. Uh, whoever the the, you know, the the group that provides uh, electricity in Wisconsin is part of the grid. Probably the people in Indiana. And then you say, all right, we're going to we're going to upgrade the Wisconsin grid now to, to accept this new energy. And Ken Watson says, well, screw that. I don't. I don't need those guys. I got my own plants here. By the way, I'm charging enough. Last thing I want is cheaper stuff coming online. And, and the last thing, the last thing I want is for me to have to pay for some other guy to get on there to can undersell me. So I mean, it, there's there's a million thumbs in this pie, 
of all different places. And then there's, of course, the guys that are going to put up the new the new wires saying, yeah, we'll do that. And, and now those guys got to know, how, is that free competition or is that one company doing it? I mean, to un- untangle this web, Kevin, is some serious, serious work by somebody. And who the hell is a somebody? Do you, is it a congressional committee with 14 lobbyists, you know, buying them dinner every night, uh, saying, you got to do this for me? Uh, does any congressman really know anything about the grid? Where they can even sit on that committee and, and, and make a contribution, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's a big issue. I, I mean, yeah, and, and what, what level, um, you know, what level is going to manage the appropriations for it, and the, uh, and, and the acceptance of uh, of bids to do the work and so on? Uh, because you know, Congress isn't going to do that. That's going to be thoroughly delegated to uh, an appointed position. So, what's going to be the accountability that's associated with that? And is that person? Going to have to be of a certain gender or color, and not have to. I mean, maybe maybe they know something, maybe they don't. Is that secondary, or what are we doing? Or are we going to get some, you know, ugly, ugly old fat guy or whoever it happens to be, and stick him in there and say because this guy's an engineer, let's not let him out of his office, but let him do the job. We don't want to do that either, do we? Right? Whoever it is, there's got to be some kind of a politician. You know, you got to be uh, whatever. I mean, the, the question is, can so we? long and short of it is, we're totally screwed on this. Well. Probably, but I mean. So to get back to the the, uh, the the no the no bail thing, no cash bail here. I was with some people last night, and they were saying, "Okay, we're gonna let all the crooks out." Well, I think we're already doing that. It's obvious in the in the shows up in the crime statistics. Yeah, and it, it, the amazing difference between it's called the Butterfield effect. Yeah, people that feel that they're insulated from this, even though nobody is. People feel that they're insulated from this, and how all the people that commit crimes are somehow, uh, you know, it's a poverty thing, it's an education thing, and I'm not saying it's not part of that, uh, but is that somehow or another it's, it's, it's somewhat of a right to do this stuff and not be held accountable. And I, unless, of course, it happens to them, then, then it's a different story. But uh, then there's other people that are affected by it. Their lives are affected by it. And, uh, it, you know, and, and so now we have this thing. You know, but the weird part is, Kevin, I don't know. How it's necessarily going to work out? How, how it's going to play out? My group that I'll uh, hopefully I'll meet with tonight, even though one of the guys is real sick, uh, um, as in real sick. The uh, I'm not so sure the the system as I see it right now are people get arrested. Maybe, maybe the 84 percent of the people who commit murders in the city aren't even arrested last year, let alone convicted, uh, which is pretty awful when you think about it. So, okay, somebody gets arrested, and you're going to have this bond hearing. You're going to have a hearing to decide whether the person should stay in jail or not. It used to be that you could post bond with the idea that whoever gave you the, the piece you had to put down has some interest in you showing up in court. And, oh, by the way, the bail bondsman who gives you the rest has a serious interest to make sure you show up in court. So there's, there's levels of pressure there to get you back into court on your court date. Otherwise, you know, maybe someone, maybe somebody'd show up, maybe somebody wouldn't, and uh, so we're, as time has gone by, if you put two people into the same spot, somebody might have money and he's out, and somebody who doesn't have money is in for the same infraction, which most people would say that's not too fair, and some so there, it's not like the system was perfect. We, we I think we all get that, uh, but then this idea that. Only poor people are in jail. I don't know about that either. But now enter some of my buddies who actually do the criminal work. And nobody thinks that you should sit a year and a half in jail 
only to be found innocent. I and mean, that's kind of a long time to spend in county jail if, if you're going to get if you if you didn't do it. Well, sorry about this. Yeah, one. if you weren't a criminal when you went in, you're going to be yeah. one when you come out. Well, plus being found innocent is not the same as didn't do it, on, on just about any level in this city. Because I mean, the uh, my my guys tell me if you don't have not in every single case, but if you don't have uh, video evidence or you don't have DNA evidence, the the police are horrendous at ev- or it, the Chicago police are horrendous at evidence gathering. Stuff gets lost. It's a year and a half before the trial comes up, maybe more. Uh, the same year and a half, you don't want witnesses disappear. All of a sudden, can't remember. You name it. But the the these guys claim that the 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 on TV Perry Mason crap, where you bring in two witnesses and they go, "Looks like this Greg guy did it." I'm pointing right at him. It was him. That that is the way of the dodo bird. If you don't have Greg on tape, or if you, to the point where uh, the grand jury stuff. They're going to tape uh, the witnesses. That's not admissible because you can't cross-examine them. But they bring the tape into the other one to at least say, "I never saw the guy." To I know exactly it was him. At least, at least you can you can uh, punch holes in the testimony that's changed over the year and a half, whether you got to or not. Nothing says a witness has to show up, right? They don't even show up. They move. They're out of here. They're not even here. So the the, the system is is pretty much totally broken. And on top of it now, there's something that says, here's somewhat of a fix. Well, it's no kind of fix, Kevin. It's, I don't know what it is. I'm not saying it's a bad idea. It's, it's just no kind of fix to anything. What's well, going it's, on. It's, it's, it's not dealing with the problem. It's a, it, it's a Band-Aid. And, you know, what, what would you do, you know, if, if you were in charge of operations for something and you had a failure? Would you just say, well, we'll just stop making it? You know, <laughs> you're not going to do that. Um, so, you you know, it, it really is, okay, how do we, A, um, make sure that there is a, a, a swift path to a trial? Okay, because that's important. Uh, so that if people are held in jail, um, that, that they don't sit there forever. The second thing is, how do you provide decent access to representation, access to good representation for people who need it? Because that's probably the bigger disparity in the re- uh, legal system, is that uh, you know depending on what kind of uh, uh, attorney you can afford is going to affect what kind of defense you get, and of course that makes sense, but that needs to be leveled a little bit. We need to be able to give people who are indigent a a um, a decent defense, and that's a. a that's where I think the uh, brust, uh, the justice system breaks down for the poor. Well, I think it does too. I, the The weird part is that I guess it's not politically correct at all, but if you put the numbers out there and you say 84%, you can see this on Hey Jackass every week, uh, 84% of the murders involve an African-American. Now, the city's what? 30% African-American? I don't know what the number is. Maybe Greg could look that up. It's probably not more. Uh, so, but the idea that the the people in that community that are committing the crimes somehow have more political cachet than the people that are are being the crimes are committed against than the victims. Yeah, and the victim, I, I, and I I honestly don't understand that. I, mean, I honestly don't. I mean, I twenty eight point five three is a is the uh, amount of people, and eighty four percent of the murders are black. Okay, so. There's some sort of an issue 
there. I mean, it's poverty. It's something, or whatever it is. It's not yeah, wh- whatever it is. It's not. It, it's not just chance, right? <laughs> and but the, but the point being is, my my thought, and this is, I guess, why Kevin, you and I are, we think differently. If I drive through one of those neighborhoods, I don't think about protecting the guys that are the sleaze bags. I think about protecting the people that are still trying to live there normally. That no nobody nobody thinks that way, do they? No, I mean there's apparently not, and and, and I I don't get that. I mean, I, I out of all the things that I in the world that I I don't get, that's one of the biggest things I don't get. I mean, you don't you don't see they'll get, you'll get one day where you're the victim. They'll talk about the victim for thirty seconds on TV, and the next thing is, oh man, we're arresting these the wrong guys, and blah blah blah. We're not letting them out fast enough. Tom, the political angle on it is to make everybody a victim. But but you're that, that, that right. if your skin is black, you're a victim. And if you can convince enough people of that, then that's where the political cachet comes in. But you, it's almost it's almost like the the crooks are the voting block and not the honest people. I don't. It it can't be. <laughs> well, you know, it, there there is a certain amount of you're getting you're getting the government you vote in. Well, I guess, but you know, the 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 thing in uh when New Orleans when it when it flooded, was it the Fifth Ward or whatever? The Fifth Ward was. Um, you know what happened to those people there with the flooding and everything? It was horrible. Okay, but everybody gets that. Uh, I would hope everybody gets that. Yet, what what are we going to do about the fifth ward? Well, you're not going to put crummy buildings back up, are you? I mean, you're you're not going to recreate the fifth ward the way it was. The, you know it. I'm, I'm sure that we're yeah. Let's build it again so that it can happen again. You mean is that what I, you're saying? I mean, I mean, there's no there there there's some in 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 poverty and everything. There's always going to be artists. There's always going to be everything. There's 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 some good in people everywhere, no matter where they live. But you're not going to recreate a, a poverty stricken area where most people are not living very well. Why would you? I mean, it's I. What what are we going to do about you know? I, I, I don't understand where our motivation is. Is it, is it all political? Is it all money? Is is there enough money in the gangs that we we'd rather take it out of the rest of the people with the drugs and everything else, or do we really want to fix it? I, I wonder, Kevin. I I mean, who, who's really? Oh, I, I, I I absolutely do believe that there is a lot of uh, drug money that finds its way into the pockets. A, a lot of gang money. A lot of you know. It, it's organized crime. It can, you know, right. it may not be organized crime like we know it from the movies, but it's organized crime, and uh, and a lot of that money is finding its way into politicians' pockets, and as a result, uh, you get the legislation that 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 the money wants. Well, I I think you're right. SP futures down fifty cents. Nasdaq futures up twenty one. Can't keep that Nasdaq down. Be right back, stocks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. 
Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Tomorrow. Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures down 50 cents. Uh, we're quiet this morning. Uh, NASDAQ Futures up 21. The Dow up 20. We had Goldman Sachs earnings. They missed. They uh, hit some green sky and from real estate, but the stock's only down 90 cents. Uh, let me see exactly where it's down. 87 cents now, so not much of a hit at all. Uh, so whatever, they seem to be doing okay on that stuff. Over in Asia, Nikkei up 402, 1.2%. We got the Hang Seng down 63.3%, under 19,000 again, 18,952. Shanghai up a buck, let's call that one flat. So uh, Japan up and the other two guys are not so much. Yesterday, uh, Dow was up 366, a lot of that was Microsoft. It was up 20 bucks at one point, finished up like 15-ish or so. S&P's, S&P's are up 32, NASDAQ up 108, so a strong day for the market yesterday. Uh, today, the DAX's down 8. The uh, reason why these guys aren't, well, FTSE's up 111, it's 1.5%, uh, is the pound went down. The pound has been real strong, we've been reporting it every morning. It's down a little bit this morning as their inflation allegedly cools. We'll see about that. Uh, CAC around up 19.3%. So uh, the FTSE is the out- outstanding one over there today. Uh, Ten-year down three basis points, 3.76. Doesn't look like it's going to make it to four, at least not soon. Uh, Bund uh, unchanged at 2.34. Again, we were we were 4.6 one day two weeks ago. So this ten-year has been all over the place. Uh, Japan down one basis point, 0.46. We've got oil uh, down two cents, not much there, 75.73. Brent up 19 cents, 79.82. Natural gas down a penny, 2.61. Our Bob unchanged, 2.68. We've got gold. Uh, down 530, it's still 1975. It's got an eight-week, eight, uh, eight-week high on gold. Uh, silver down a dime to 2515. Copper down four cents, 378. Uh, we've got crypto up 209, but still under 30,000, 29,983. We just mentioned the uh, British pound is uh, down almost one percent, but it's still at 129 when it was 127 
three weeks ago, so it's still a lot stronger than it was. The euro, uh, 112, and that was 109 forever. So both of them are up 2, 2.5% over the last uh, couple of weeks, say, and uh, so that's, that's what caused gold to go up and oil to go up. Uh, what do you have for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Yeah, good morning, everyone. 6.37 a.m., uh, Wednesday the 19th, Chicago, 66 degrees, high of 77 today, low of 64. We got good air quality, so that's good. It's a 41 rating. Uh, today in Phoenix, we got 92 right now, uh, 115 for the high today. Inbound Kennedy to the interchange is 44 minutes. Inbound Edens is 42 minutes from Lake Cook. Inbound Ike, we have 29 minutes, Wolf to the interchange. The Ryan is 17 minutes from 95th. And then the inbound Stevenson is 32 minutes. Sports, White Sox lose in Queens. Sox lost 10 to 11 to the Mets. Diamondbacks won in Atlanta. They beat up on Braves 16 to three. And Cubs absolutely crushed <laughs> at Wrigley, 17 to three. Of uh, the last two innings, I think were 15 runs. How many runs were that? 14. 14. Yeah. They were yeah. going to bring in a uh, position pitcher guy, but uh, I didn't realize it, Kevin. But evidently, if you're eight runs down, you can bring in a position player to pitch. Yeah, the Nationals had to be pretty embarrassed about that. There were. Uh, yeah, they kicked a field goal. They're okay. Yeah, there were, there were not many. Uh, that many close games across the board last night. They were talking about a lot, a lot of big scores last night. Yeah, the uh, crazy stuff. You know what is? Uh, I'm going to say that um, lived here a long time. Could there have been a nicer night in Chicago than last night in in, in July? What was it, like 76 degrees, no humidity. I mean, it was almost perfect. I'm going to say Wrigley was half beautiful full. here too. I took my yeah. computer out, worked on the back porch, and well, did you know that Wrigley was like half watched full? Watch the boats flow by, float by. There you go. You watching the boats or the people on the boats? Yeah. People on the boats were pretty uninteresting. Oh, well, uh, that happens. Yeah. My the the only thing is, you know, it, we 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 have a few vacationers here, you know, during the week. Not not many, but uh, I I always see uh, people out, you know, pulling uh, pulling their kids around the lake on on rafts or. You know, it would be tubing if they were still inner tubes, but they now they there are fancy rafts nowadays for it. And every once in a while, I see a skier, but hardly ever. And it, you know, I it, it's it's just such a passive thing to to you know. It's I'm sure it's a fun ride for the kids. They get pulled around, they're going fast, bouncing up and down on the water and all that. But damn, teach the kids to ski. It's a skill. It, you know, it, it builds some confidence in them. Um, it's it's much more active, uh, you know, than than just sitting on the back and just sitting on a raft and getting pulled around. It, it you know it, it is such a uh, uh, you know a, a sign of the times. Um, well, and, well, a lot of these kids don't do much of anything. There's no not much sports. There's not much anything. Yeah, and 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 I just think you know. Uh, Learning to do things like to water ski instead of just sit on a on a on a floating device and get dragged around is uh, is is a much more active uh, and, and engaged way and 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 a way to you know get into physical fitness, self confidence, all of those things that are part of the equation of learning how to do something like that. Um, hey Kevin, what I want to uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to shift the subject over. I, I talk about it more after I talk to my nephew and and. Uh, Sunday regarding their their metal facility where they make parts and stuff for people. Uh, what do you what do you even call that? They're more of a if somebody has a a big part that's been there for twenty years and all of a sudden uh, it doesn't work anymore. 
they'll make the housing or something for the part or whatever. And they're fabricating. Yeah. Custom and, uh, fabrication. They do, they do some 3D stuff. They do a lot of individual program machine work, that sort of stuff. Um, 3D it, printing is a cool technology. It's, yeah. Uh, it, well, you know, it's, it's making a big dent in the world right now. They're, they're uh, not... The stuff they do, a lot of times they'll make the uh, the template from the 3D. But the, the stuff they use is such special materials that, you know, you can't you can't make a a differential by 3D V because we're going to get the, the the steel in there. But they they make yeah. Although you you can make uh you know um uh, uh lightweight metal alloys right. Um, and, it's and, more make some, and make some very sturdy parts. But, it, you know, it's also an alternative just for you to go and say, I can make a spare part that's going to get me through while I'm waiting for the uh, the real part. Right, and it also gives you a really good template as to what the thing's supposed to look like and how it measures out. Sure, you can do you can do uh, uh, prototyping and, and so on and do it much cheaper than you otherwise might. But the conversation always kind of gets down to we're, 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 you know, what's the song? We're, we don't know where we're going or something like that. Don't you know, know where we're going, getting it, there fast. Yeah. Well, it, the, the people that run the place, and the people who run a lot of those kinds of places that are left, uh, this used to be huge, huge business here in Chicago. A huge business. With all the, the pe- people that made stuff here, you had Pullman, you know, all these other people. Uh, Ream, you had a lot of people that made finished products. Uh, and the people who did some fabricating and said, look, why, why are you making that part in, in-house? We'll We'll make it for you cheaper. They'd have a, a you know place, and they would just run that part. Pullman did a lot of that stuff. There was a place on uh, I don't even know if you can Google them. I think it was Bloomer Fisk was on just west of the Ryan, about 62nd Street, right where all the rail, rail yards were. They did they did stuff for everybody. The place was huge, uh, but now it's been a business that for the last I mean, even the people that are still in it and have found their niche and are did, did things the American way. They found stuff that still needed, you know, if you don't make the parts, maybe repair the parts that come from Korea or China or someplace. I mean, people still find a niche. But it's, it's a, there's no way you can't say that for the last God, 50 years it has been a declining business here in Chicago. And, and probably everywhere, certainly in Cleveland and you know Akron, those kinds of places. Yeah, well, what you're really talking about is, as you look at the product lines, that it, it, it's not a growing market. So you can you can be a dominant player in a in a shrinking market and make a lot of money, um, it, you know there there it will sunset. But yeah, uh, but what you, what's going to happen is if you're not a if you're not a dominant player, you're getting out of the business. But it, but now we've had and you know I mean, let's say Trump started it. Maybe you know maybe we started before him. Uh, Biden doesn't look like he likes China much either. So I don't know who's who's what better or worse. I have no idea. What do you mean he doesn't like China? They paid him a lot of money. Well, but I'm saying he. In terms of policy, uh, they didn't get what they paid for. Doesn't appear anyway. The, there has been no big. <clears throat> they they paid for a sentient human being, and they're not getting it. Well, whatever. The uh, the the point being is now we've had a lot of a, a significant repatriation of a lot of some of this stuff, and you have companies here that maybe uh, a lot of it really is Kevin. Some people might have had. Some stuff done in China have brought it back here, and all of a sudden their their machines that were working, you know, eight hours a day are now working sixteen. And guess what? They're they're breaking. So it could could just be that. I mean, whatever it is, there's there's stuff coming back here, uh, and 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 these guys now have a lot of business. You know, and a lot of the places like that that hung in there now probably have more business than they've had in a long time. And part of it was 
COVID-related, they might have been shut down, and you know all that kind of, whatever. Now the question is, how do you how do you plan that going forward? My, my nephew is they just they finally were able to hire four people. A couple of them they got right out of the Navy, I think. Uh, but still, they, they're real excited about their hirees, or saying they're good guys and blah blah blah. Still looking for a couple more. But now, if you're if you're running the place, do you expect your son or nephew or daughter or somebody? To be running this business forty years ago, is it a lifetime for them, where they they can employ sixty, eighty people and and make money and make some good products and and have a, a freaking good life? Like, or do you say this is a three year phenomenon and when it gets high enough, I'll sell it to somebody else to get my ass out of here? I mean, is is it is it enough to where if your son wants to be a, a machine, uh, I won't say mechanic, people maintain maintenance man? Or something for these machines, which is not a crummy job at all. I uh, probably start at about a hundred if you get the right guy. Uh, is is it life's work for somebody, or is it just a a faint five year pause before we all go back to China and don't do anything here again ever again? I mean, I honestly don't know how. Well, they it, take it, the question is: Is it life's work for how many? Yeah. Um, and and that's a that's a slightly different question because yes, it will be. Uh, life's work for some uh, for, uh, virtually guaranteed just like there's COBOL programmers in the world yeah well. uh, you know I, I don't know that anybody's written any any new COBOL code uh, any new COBOL based uh, computer systems in you know in I don't know how many decades but uh, but there's a lot of code still sitting out there running that people need to maintain and need to tweak so uh, so the, you know it's it's a, a very uh, it's a very lucrative skill to have um, it, it, so you're going to see a certain amount of that. The question is, what you know, what is the trend? And I'm not sure what the trend is, other than I am seeing a lot more people saying, I need to source my materials, either domestically, uh, make it myself, um, or uh, um, or at least bring it back within the confines of the USMCA because that's a stable trade relationship that we have. You mean like um, Canada and Mexico, or yeah, uh, U.S., Canada, Mexico. Yep. Um, and uh, uh, so, it, you know, it that that labor might, you know, you might put something in Mexico and it's cheaper labor than U.S. labor if it's very labor intensive intensive process but it's but it's not as cheap as the Far East on the other hand you can get things in and out of the ports no matter what because you don't have to worry about the ports um, you know you're shipping a lot by rail a lot by truck and, and so on and uh, um, and so that infrastructure is there but ultimately it is turning to automation when you talk about things like 3d printing um, you know, it, it's uh, that that's something that if you can you can run a job shop like that and you can do it indefinitely because what's happening then is the capital investment is big to get started um, and it's not going to pay back in 18 months or less uh, like most people are used to seeing, but it's going to pay back and uh, and and as a result as long as you're getting that uh, you know that uh, marginal payback every month every year uh, you can continue to do it and then you know you're going to have a stable supply network um, and you're not going to be subject to any of these crazy swings that we've seen and some of those crazy swings you know you know we may look at it and say a lot of that was related to the pandemic responses and that is true but it's also political situations. It's also 
uh, labor situations, local local skirmishes, you know, all, all of that. You know, Greg will tell you, you know, what's been the impact of the Ukraine war on uh, uh, on the grain markets. Pandemonium. Yeah, um, and that's not the last war we're going to have break out somewhere that's going to mess things up. So, uh, you know, th- think of the places. You know, when when you're talking about uh, about batteries, about you know, we, we go back to our earlier discussion about electronic vehicles and the power grid and things like that. You know, think think about the batteries. Think about the places where that stuff is mined, where the rare earth min- uh, minerals are mined for that. They are political hotbeds. They're they're so unstable, um, and so you don't know what's going to happen there. So anything that you can bring home, and and that's part of the problem. Is, is that you do have an administration now who is not letting us tap certain uh, natural resources um, th- that uh, a- and then they're turning around and saying yes but we want to move to uh, a more electric world but but, but we're not going to do nuclear and yeah, we're not going to do I don't, I don't do... get the no the not nuclear part but you know the, the interesting I don't I don't debate my more right-wing friends regarding the the motivation of this administration versus the motivation of the Trump administration, let's say in regards to oil. But if you if you if you just decided I don't even know, I don't care who was president, and you looked at the oil production in this country, I'm not talking about the the, the pipeline that one guy said go and the other guy said no go. That really didn't matter to anybody here anyway because it was Canadian oil. Uh, if you looked at the actual production and the rig count and everything. You'd swear that that Trump was the guy who hated oil and Biden liked it. The the recounts and everything are way higher than they ever were during. I mean, we had the we had the oil trade below zero the one night, which was all screwed up. It was an IB deal. It should never have happened. But we had the massive oil glut in Cushing, Oklahoma. We were down to what 200 and some rigs or something, and now we're back because the the oil ebb and flow of overproduction, underproduction politics is bigger than any four-year president. It's a, it's a much bigger market. Yes, people can have their... There was a huge fall-off in, uh, what, just before 2020? Yeah, I can, and I'll, then I'll find it the, uh, while, you guys are, while you guys are talking yeah, about it. Yeah, and what I believe is that was more subject to the, uh, uh, the price levels and what, what was going on. Because I, I remember speculating about this on the show, um, that I, I, I really thought that when the U.S. really started pumping a lot of oil... Um, a, a lot, a lot of you know, north, north central U.S. As we were well pumping as, a lot in the seventies, or yeah, 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 we we were, but we were also pumping a lot in the late nineties, early twos. You know, well, you know, really well into the twos. And well, we were pumping uh, less, and, and than, than and, in well, and and what happened is we were driving down the the price of oil. Uh, so what happened is uh, first of all. It's it's what I was just talking about in, in a different way, and this is a different thought process than what was being applied at the time. Is how you know when when oil is cheap, how much capital investment are you going to make to try and get oil out of the ground? And the answer is, well, if it's not going to pay back really quickly, then uh, maybe I'll back off of the investment because we're already pumping a lot and we're creating you know we have this capacity. It's driving down the world markets. I always always thought that the Saudis in particular were very. Rest- Responsive to that, and that they would they would lower their prices even more just to slow down, knowing that they could slow down U.S. domestic production based on the quality of the investment of you know of the 
of the marginal any 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 increases in the number of uh, holes we're want, we were we were willing to drill, and so we could slow that down. And by slowing it down, it was going to take quite a while for it to ramp back up as prices went up, and then they could jack the prices back up, and we were seeing a more fluctuating price world uh, as a result of that. I think people were just playing pricing games to try and uh, uh, to try and keep their industries alive overseas because the U.S. was uh, um, was pumping, you know, was finding more sources. To put some context oil. around that, um, call it the shale revolution or whatever, you know, just before call it 2012. Those those aren't really in the rig counts, are they? No, no, but uh, in terms of just barrels per day, uh, we were from the 20s, you know, even before, on a straight march up to like 10,000 barrels per day, all the way until the mid-70s. And after that, um, it was downhill for 20 years or 30 years, and we never really got back to 10,000, I think, until really uh, after the shale the shale technologies really picked up and then probably I'd, uh, 2015 or 2016 that's when we got back to the 1970 levels of production so just to put some context around that and and now we're even above that so i i wouldn't be surprised if we're you know 13 or 14 right now yeah, I just think the players on the world market were playing very rational pricing games to try and compete because it's a commodity. You can't compete. How, how are you going to make it unique? You can't. You know, uh, there, there, there's there's nothing that you can do other than say it's a commodity and who can pump the most at the right quantities and maximize the profit and so on. And there's all kinds. You know, you can do the math on that. Um, that that's easy math uh, uh, to do. And so. You know, every time uh, a competitor got too big, as long as you could withstand some price competition, you'd, you'd launch into price, price competition. It is that way on any other commodity item. It is that way on, you know, just routine products. It, you know, it's it's all there. I just think that's normal. And the, the, the only difference in this particular commodity is it's a, a high capex to, uh, to get to, to, to do marginal increases in production. Well, I'm, what I'm saying is that the 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 oil, the worldwide oil stuff, is bigger than any president's outpeep in any given week. Is what I'm saying. It, I, I I would agree that that Trump was more uh, more anxious to help the oil companies than this guy. There's no, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I'm just saying that the the, the way it turned out, <laughs> Trump had a total declining amount of rigs on his watch, and this guy's had them going up. And I, it's it's not about them. Them, them wanting to do that at all. It's just, I'm just saying that the, that the, uh, the numbers are, are bigger than they are. Is all, all I'm saying. Um, and they'll continue to go higher because there's nobody slowing down. Right. I mean, maybe actually China last week. Uh, well, nobody's going to slow down now because the prices are up. Last month there actually were five less rigs. Well, uh, it, look at it as, as if you look at demand. I mean, it's based on growth and, and in the in the world meaning the more developing nations really expand that's that's the main source of fossil fuel uh demand. Right. we've got we're up to no, 600 si- simultaneously though we have seen we're getting uh, more efficient. A, a slowdown in the transportation industries um as uh, product shipments are are slowing don't say that we're not we're not having a recession no, nobody's nobody's slowing down Kevin you can't say well that. there's a new definition you, 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 you just you just ixnade 
How's that for a word? You exonate your invite today on Fox Business and CNBC. Bomber. Yeah. You're, you're out. I would guess that we're going to be more than 100, uh, 100 million barrels per day for the foreseeable future. I mean, in, in 2010, we were, what, 85, 90? So that, I don't think that's slowing down. Maybe we slowed down in 2020 because people stopped traveling. But I don't, I, I'm not sure I've heard anyone say that it's going to be significantly less. Total United States rigs are 680. Uh, Canada is only 175, which I'm kind of surprised. Um, well, if you only look at the output of, in barrels per day and then uh, kind of the consumption and demand in barrels per day, you, you get to see the whole picture. And you'll see more and more that the U.S. is, is able to produce a bigger percentage of that. Well, the it goes back to the... Uh, I hope most of the listeners uh, know what the definition of when you, the definition of uh, of uh, oil reserves is oil that can be got out of the ground at today's price. So if the price doubled, all of a sudden you got a lot more reserves, right? It's not it's not an absolute count of all the oil you have. It's in not your like country. a gallon count. It's a it's a time count. It's a it's a way if, if at eighty bucks a barrel. These are your reserves. This is how much you can get out of the ground where somebody can make a profit at eighty bucks. Yeah, it's it, and uh, that's why whenever prices go up, but it, it is, oh boy, where, where's Professor Hal when we need him, Kevin? Oil is, is in a short term very inelastic supply. In other words, you can't. If all of a sudden tomorrow uh, you needed ten percent more oil, you you can't get it. But a year from now, if the price went up a little bit, you could get it. So it's it's the, the 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 supply curve is inelastic in the short term, but it's fairly elastic in the long term. Now the interesting part, Kevin, is are all these crazy metals you need for batteries and stuff? Are they going to be somewhat elastic in the long term? Because we're getting them from places that I'd, I'd say are way more politically uh, volatile than than the oil companies or the oil, oil producing places. And the answer is, yeah, that's going to be a problem, especially when you start to get substantial share for um, you know battery-based vehicles, et cetera. Uh, so when you start to get substantial shares of that, and um, and then you start having not only to have uh, demand for new product, but to have to start doing replacements, have to start replacing batteries, and et cetera. And when you know, and then when you start telling people that. Yeah, I'm sorry your car's not working. I can't get my hands on a battery for six weeks. That's a problem. Why, uh, we got a dish here in a second, but why, why, when you talked about the uh, electric cars in the, in the infrastructure bill, there's this huge build-out for charging cars. If, if I've got a truck stop, a gas station in Nebraska on I-80, why isn't it my job to put the thing in there and charge somebody for well, it. Well, a lot of places are, and, you know, you see that. If you, I don't know how much traveling, uh, you, you know, uh, road traveling you do, but, you, you know, I see uh, on the highways, I see fast-charging stations all the time now. Uh, just out of curiosity. A lot, a lot of the places are doing it. For a big dummy, um, if I pull my Tesla in there and I'm on E, how long does it take me to charge it up? That's a good question. Um I, I think you can fast charge and you know and, and get some significant mileage in 
I don't know, I want to say 30 minutes or less. So um, enough to go in and have five beers and get back in the car? Well, you know, the, the problem is How always... How far do you need to go, it, Chief? Look, I, I, I've Most thought we've been doing like this technology wrong all, all along because I really think the way to do it is that you should have swappable battery packs. I mean, the model is is your propane tank for your gas grill. You should be able to just pop one out, you know, that, that you, you have like a whole little farm uh, uh, on one side of the uh, uh, gas station uh, that is doing nothing but charging batteries and fully charged batteries. You can, you can just pop out. I don't know if you have four batteries in your car or whatever they are, but they're liftable. You just pull a, a switch, lift it out, pop in a replacement, and you're on your way. And to me, that, that seems like, um, like a, a much more practical model for how people can travel. Uh, in these things, but I've never seen anybody pushing for anything like that. Maybe it's because they can't get the power out of batteries that size. Um, but it, you know, well, they're it, it just seems pounds. to me like that. Yeah, they're well, yeah. Well, remember, so, the, remember the book, Real oh, Women. Can, don't... can you put can you put eight fifty-pound uh, batteries in the car? I, I don't know. I don't know the answer, but that's where I'd be looking at for the technology. Uh, you're old enough to remember the book, Real Women Don't Pump Their Own Gas. Real women change their own 50-pound batteries? Uh, maybe maybe the gas station attendant will make a return and we'll have a whole new set of jobs available to people. The uh, Did anybody used to walk slower than gas station attendants? Um, I don't know. Gomer Pyle was pretty quick. <laughs> Greg, in your lifetime, would you ever be able to pull in and the guy checks the oil, checks the air, clean the windshield all for you? <clears throat> Wasn't a bad world, actually. I remember the full-service pumps. Yeah, but did anybody ever use them? My mom did. Oh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I said, real did. women don't pump their own gas. <laughs> Didn't uh, New Jersey require uh, gas attendance up till a few years ago? Yeah, one. I think it was Jersey. I know there was one state hanging out there that uh, um, that did require attendance. And I don't think the gas was any uh, that much more expensive. There. It's New Jersey. I think it's more expensive wherever you go anyway well, in New that, Jersey. That could be. S&P Futures... Flat, flat, and as that features up 20, we'll be right, be right back with the Professor Russell Rhodes. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day to day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, Innovation and Human Resources, licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, 
Give Chiromed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at Chiromed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give Chiromed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. I'd say in a given week, I probably only do about 15 minutes of real, actual work. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now. What was that? Stocks, jocks. What was that guy, a professor? Um, that was from Office Space. Oh, fifteen minutes of real work. <laughs> yeah. How are he's you, talking, bud? He's 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 being interviewed by the Bobs. Oh. And God. he gets up and he goes, "Good luck with your firings." Oh God. You know what? You know, Office Space to a certain generation is a lot like Animal House. Yeah, well, you probably you probably can quote five things from Animal House right off the top of your head, without a doubt. Yeah, well, as, as I could too. I mean, I remember watching Animal House on the Fraternity House, and there were a couple of guys that would basically word the whole thing while we, while while we were watching Office Space. There are a lot of people that could do the exact same thing. So yes, I know that movie. I actually rewatched it recently. Look at Fraser. How are things so, in uh, Academia Land? <clears throat> uh, academia Land's totally fine. So I was listening to you guys just talk, and I was wondering, yeah, about the you know, the electric cars and how far can they get on the charge and everything else. And I wonder how many families are so into electric that they've given up every gas-powered car. Because where did we just lose our there car you are for con- you know for confidence? For why con- would it, why would anybody uh, if if you know if I was a Mister Suburbanite? Which I'm not, uh-huh. and I had two or three vehicles. I mean, I I'm enough of an environmentalist to, if I could throw a little windmill up on my place and get the government to pay for it and and trickle charge a little car to buzz back and forth to the store on Sunday morning, I'd I'd do that. I mean, I don't have a. Oh, I think that's a per- that's the perfect use for it. You know, I drive a couple hundred miles each way uh, during the school year, and I I I would feel better being in a gas powered car than an electric car. Well, I, I, I'm still. Well, I do uh, feel better, but I, I should rephrase that. I do feel better being in a. I I would hate to be in, the, in an electric car in the middle of nowhere. Um, there was some other movie I was watching recently, some horror movie where uh, somebody in a high end BMW breaks down in the middle of nowhere and they open up it and it's basically a self contained engine and the guy's like, I got no clue. Yeah, and I, I feel I feel like that. that I just would not want to be out in the middle of the windmill farm. In Indiana, and have my electric car uh, conk out on me. I'm not absolutely convinced. Depending on where you are, uh, when I say depending on where you are, uh, clearly, well, not clearly, because I don't. I haven't been doing any of this recently, Russell. But you know, I mean, <clears throat> Illinois, Chicago area used to have a lot of nukes that you basically couldn't turn off, right? And they still, I think they still mm-hmm. have a couple, most of them. But uh, so if you were to charge your car at night okay um, I'm going to say that without being an electrical engineer it's probably fairly efficient alright now if on the other hand I'm going to on a hot day I'm going to 
charge it oh, at, know, at noon, yeah. and, they have to, and there's a one of those pop-up gas-fired electric plants 80 miles away that is burning natural gas, and you're putting it over to wires for 90 miles. I'm going to say there's no way on God's earth that that is efficient as me driving a car using my own gas without the degradation of the lines and everything else. So, mm-hmm. and, I, and I don't, but I can't quantify that because I'm not that. I'm not so sure in, in what and how many different cases that it's all that more efficient. You know, I'm it's not. High. You know, I'm not so. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But I mean, I think it's, in some areas when I drove back from, I tell you, when I went and bought my red, red pick me up, which Audrey, Audrey hated, of course, uh, in, in Tucson, and, and drove it back, and uh, the uh, and I'm, I'm driving along. Uh, uh, you know. Well, it used to be 66, but you can still see 66 wandering off. I think it's it's uh-huh. it's 40. Is it 40 across northern Arizona and uh, into Albuquerque? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm driving along, and, and to my left are the Santa Fe tracks. You know, the Atchison's the peak in the Santa Fe, the song. Uh, and they're, they're chugging along. with Now, uh, diesel locomotives are very efficient, but between the this relentless sun and wind I'm driving through, I'm thinking, boy, here's an area that somebody could probably take th- this 400 miles of, of total wasteland and sun and wind, maybe 500 miles, and buy and, and get some renewable stuff, put it up, and even just for the, well, you could sell it everywhere, just for the locomotives, buy, you know, like they had in World War II, buy 100 electric locomotives, put the wires up, and I would bet you that it would be very efficient in that area, even more efficient than diesel. Um, I'm not positive, but yeah. I would make that bet. But now, is an electric, electro, electric locomotive uh, more efficient running through the hills of Pennsylvania? I'm thinking no. But, a, a, but no. a lot of this is somewhat common sense. Um, yeah, it's where where did the where does the energy actually come from? It, um, yeah, no, that part. That's yeah, where, yeah where does it come from? That's part of it. Yeah, where does it come and from, and how far does it have to travel? That, that, I mean, that, that's the, that, that's where, if you're, if you're really concerned about the, you know, energy generation and the environment, that, that's the place that you really need to be looking at. And, and I could, I could give a whole hour on why we should just use nuclear. But well, no doubt, especially in some of the new everybody's, kinds. Everybody's afraid of that, and, and, and. I mean, they're, they're justifiably so, but, you know, they, uh, other plants are doing bad things. Other things are doing bad things to us as well. Um, nuclear, if it's done completely, you know, if it's done right, and, you know, there are plenty of nuclear plants around the U.S. that have not had any problems. We just always kind of focus on the, you know, the one that really uh, had a problem here at Three Mile Island and then a couple outside of the world, outside of the United States that have had problems as well. Well, what do you know? Uh, I'll ask Carl to go through it again on, on Friday. The ones where you use the uh, the sodium or whatever it is instead of the the, Gen the smaller self-contained yeah. ones. The ones that are not—they're not, they're, like batteries. They're uh, they're, they're li- modular. Are they liquid sodium? They're, they're not—they're not normal stuff. There's something. There's liquid that, that there's like no danger of the thing causing a problem. Yeah, generation four. Yeah, yeah. And uh, oh, okay. But why? You know why? Why we don't? Obviously, people have. Uh, you know, money and the other stuff. You know, we oh, yeah. Well, they're no, trying to build a, one in Wyoming. Well, but I mean, it's not like uh, what, I, what I'm talking about is when I when I was in high school, I'm going to say it was probably before Greg, uh, 
every everybody knew if you took high school physics that by this time there was going to be one of those what do they call the the reactors that took all the the old waste and turned it into new stuff. Uh, I know what you're talking a, 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 about. Yeah. Was it a breeder reactor? That there would that there. I don't know the. That there was. Yeah, gonna, I don't know the name of be, it, but but I do know what you're talking about. That, that there was going to be one of these where people mm-hmm. sent the old rods there, and somehow or another, there's a process where you would have cleaned those up and made new rods, new fuel, and it was you essentially recycle the stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and somebody decided somewhere along the line that we're not going to do that. Most of it, well, most of it was Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter absolutely was convinced that outside of the hands of the military, uh, uh, nuclear was not safe. Yeah. And I think Jimmy was And, and I well, believe Three Mile Island happened on his watch. Okay. I think, I, I think that was in 79. But he had that... Uh, yeah. And then there was also, and you know, this is... There was also... A, this, this influences public opinion. There was a movie called The China Syndrome. Yep. And 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 I believe that was when he was in, I do think that was a late 70s movie. I think Jane Fonda was like a reporter in it or, or something like that. But the whole premise of the movie was a, uh, you know, a nuclear plant having a meltdown and when it's going on, they have this scene where a guy is... Uh, you know, kind of like uh, when, when people record people with their phones in this day and age, and you can't, you know, you don't really know you're being recorded. The guy leaves his camera on, and they're having some sort of problem with the nuclear plant, and everybody's scrambling around. It looks like the Keystone Cops, and you know, that, I, I think I, I actually I think that movie probably shaped a lot of people's opinion as well, but to be afraid. Well, then you had in the Chicago area. You had, uh, I don't know if you were, you probably weren't here at the time, and I still, to this day, I mean, as much as I talk about it, they, the, the, the newest plant, I, I, I believe, the newest plant is the one in Zion, right? Yeah. And, and they put this I, thing up, and why don't you Google this thing, will you? Zion Nuclear, they put it up, and after it was up and going, and after not very many years, was the construction all screwed up or something? They just shut it down. The thing's still sitting there. Sitting there for like thirty years with with with, with you know spent rods somewhere. Well, no, the they started it up again. When? No way. Really? No. Or maybe that was in uh, that was in Georgia. Yeah, no, not yeah. this one. This thing is this one's drive by. I mean, they got shut down for safety reasons. But one thing which you said about uh, what Carter said, it's only safe in the hands of military, makes me think of Ghostbusters. Remember they were in the elevator. Well, you know, he, goes, he, he went I'm to wearing the, an unlicensed nuclear <laughs> nuclear he was accelerator. Nu- <laughs> he was a naval nuclear scientist and went to the uh, well, Navy. Yeah, you don't want people running around like the Ghostbusters yeah. with unlicensed nuclear accelerators. So. Well, yeah, I mean, but I, I, and I agree with that too. I don't want Bill Murray with a nuclear reactor on his back <laughs> under any circumstances whatsoever. <laughs> God. Um, <laughs> so, so how is academia? Shaping when I, when I was uh, actually it was probably a little bit before when I was in grad school, academia was very much involved in uh, ec- the decisions the, the country made. Somehow or another, in that period of time, academia was all over deregulation of rail lines, of of, of rails, of uh, trucking, and really were, was all involved in the design of the the new Chicago Board Options Exchange, which was a lot different. Than the New York Stock Exchange in terms of uh, mm-hmm. 
com- more competitive bidding and uh, com- competing market makers and all that other kind of good stuff. I don't know. Is, is there that? I mean, are there people in, in colleges saying, hey, you idiots, you, you can do these new kinds of nuclear reactors. They're, by the way, they're smaller, they're safer, and you can have a bunch of them around, and they're not, that, they're not near as expensive as, as putting a Zion up. Uh, I mean, it, I, I don't sense the, the back and forth between uh, the people in Congress. There was. There, there, there really, there, it was going on, and we got Fukushima. Now, I know that was a while ago, but there was real momentum toward um, the smaller, you know, I, I don't even want to call them nuclear plants, nuclear, you know, they're nuclear devices, things that you, you could put in the neighborhood and, you know, take care of 20,000 homes for the next 50 years. You know, you encase the thing in, uh, in concrete and make sure nobody can dig it up. The fear is somebody can dig it up and do bad things with it. But, uh, you know, there was actual momentum toward that. Uh, Bill Gates was a big backer of that whole idea. And then the Fukushima thing happened, and he turned his attention to, you know, uh, other things, to, uh, you know, eradicating diseases and things like that. But uh, there, was a, there was a big push. Right now, there's not really a push at all. And, you know, since I'm in the business school, the area that, you know, the academic world probably should do more uh, contribution is the ESG area, and not necessarily, um, you know, saying it's a good thing or a bad thing, but helping with the overall methodology because uh, the definition of what ESG is is uh, it's in the eye of the beholder. Well, you know, sure. If you uh, you, know, you could I, I I I can sit here and tell you why a Tesla is just as bad for the environment as a gas powered car. I mean, part of it's what you just talked about, the whole, you know, where does the actual electricity come from for the Tesla? And uh, what are you going to do with the battery? Know, if, yeah. I, I'll tell you, well, let's just say you have a Tesla in China where uh, they're slapping up like two coal plants a week. Still, even though they're supposed to be working on, you know, uh, helping us cut greenhouse gases. So a Tesla in China is probably worse for the environment than... You know, my gas-powered car is. I would agree with that. Because, yeah, because, and something else that I recently, you know, I'm assuming this is true because there's some logic behind it. But apparently, um, you know, when you you drive a car with, with, you know, rubber tires, uh, pieces of the tires come off. And, you know, that, that, the microplastics get into everything. That's a source of microplastics. Um, apparently it's much worse from electric cars because electric cars weigh a thousand pounds more. Really? So you're, you're going you're gonna to go through more tires. Yeah, I, I, I read a, a short article about that and I had it in the back of my mind to do a little bit more digging on. It makes sense. And so, you know, let's say uh, for the 100,000 mile life of the car I have right now, I go through, you know, three sets of tires. Maybe I have to go through five or six for a... Uh, yeah, and when you when you take a tire off of a car, uh, I think there's not a whole lot you can do other than burn it. <laughs> you know, they're there's just they're not easily disposed of. Uh, you can recycle them and uh, can you? Yeah, it's in. Uh, the hell's it in? Is it in? It's not in like carpet padding or 
There's stuff they use it for. It's not. Oh, there's stuff it's in there. turf, oh, like, artificial like turf. The, like the padding that they put in playgrounds now, so when the kids wipe out, they bounce. Yeah, the artificial stuff turf. Like all, the, all your soccer yeah. fields. <laughs> yeah. Of course, you're, so, okay, if, cool. if, you, if your kid's you falling on the ground a lot, he's that. breathing it. It's not really good to be breathing that stuff, though, either. No, it is not. But, you know, when uh, you say... Have, uh, you ever, have you ever been on artificial turf and seen, like, the little things that, you know, stuff pops up? There's... Well, I mean, if you if you, like, you see the football guys... Matter of fact, yeah. there I was. Uh-huh. Minding my own business, as usual. I uh-huh. did a, I did a uh, tour of the uh, Dallas Stadium, football stadium. Which I the would, new one? Yeah, which I would recommend. To, oh, I've I've heard it's awesome. It's, my it's, in-laws it's really that. something. I mean, I you know, yeah. uh, but that particular day, that has one of those playing surfaces. What we're talking about mm-hmm. is the old artificial surface was just the the fake grass. Now it, it's improved and so forth, but it's basically yeah. the fake grass. Well, what this does, because you can't play really play soccer on that because the ball just runs and and there's no cushioning. So what, in order to simulate dirt. What the the uh, the fake grass is, I'm going to say two inches tall, and then what they do is they grind this almost like talcum powder black stuff that's old tires, yep. and you spread it down and you, you stir it in the so your your grass looks like it's three quarters of an inch long, and you really got a, an inch and a quarter of this stuff. So if you land, you're going to get dirty. There is dust, and it's it's what provides a cushioning. And if your soccer ball bounces along like if it's on regular dirt, correct? Isn't that the whole, the whole story? Well, they were they must have been going to have like a tractor pull or something that night, so they're pulling the stuff up from the stadium floor, and the stadium floor mm-hmm. is, is just concrete, it's just just smooth concrete, the whole thing flat as a pancake, and uh, so they the things are like each I don't know how they mesh together, but each piece of the carpet is maybe. 25 feet, 30 feet by, say, 8 or something like that, or maybe a little bit more. And they have these machines. They look like big forklift trucks that you pick the thing up, and it essentially goes over the top of the forklift truck. And it's got like a, you know, a, 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 it, it looks like you you put your shirt over a banister is essentially what it looks like to dry out or your shorts or something. Oh, you're just, it's just hanging. It's yeah. just hanging. But then the thing starts shaking the crap out of it. To shake the rubber and stuff out, and each one of these things leaves a pile of this stuff. Oh yeah, like about no, like about I... eight eight wheelbarrows full. So the entire place has all these little piles, maybe like eight wheelbarrows a piece of this rubber. The whole thing. And obviously, they must come by and and shovel it or scoop it into some big thing. And when they put the field down again, they got to spread it all out again. It's That's weird. It's, yeah, it, it's, yeah. No, it's uh, it, it's like little little black plastic balls. I uh, when when I when I graduated at Oklahoma State, I snuck out onto the. Uh, they were staging us in the football stadium to go into the basketball stadium for graduation, and uh, I snuck out on the field. Yeah, yeah you don't even you don't <laughs> even really realize that you're on the field. I was like, what are these little plastic black balls while I'm, you know, goofing off and taking a picture of myself on the. And so I. I saw it, and I was like, you know, there was a, you know that, that's, that, that's how they cushion it. They put these micro, you know, there's this microplastic little things, and I assume they're old tires. Yeah, they are. They're old, they're ground-up tires. Yeah. Yeah. And they, but, I mean, so, you're, but, if, if you're, why well, yeah, a daughter or son is playing soccer at age five, they're really close to the stuff, right, closer than yeah. where I would be. And then they also fall down a lot. So there's yeah. some issues with, 
should that stuff be breathed at all. Uh, yeah. But when you mention a, a coal plant, they're not they're not synonymous. Uh, they're not all the same. No, 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 they're not. There's there's different levels of coal. Because uh, I mean, in, in Illinois, for instance, we can't wait to not have any coal here. But there's a coal-fired plant in Indiana, right, Michigan City. It looks like a nuclear plant, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they do is they take, uh, I think it's the same principle they used to use at Pullman. In, in the in the areas where you had to still paint stuff, I mean, you know, spray paint is about, you know, especially if it's really high-end oil-based paint or something, it's designed, you know, to last mm-hmm. for a really long time. You don't want to be breathing that stuff. So what they would do no. is they had a, a thing on the ground, it was maybe 100 feet long, it was longer than the car, 100 feet long, maybe a foot wide. It, it was a big trough, and in this trough, from the ceiling, they would release a huge stream of water. It was like a wall of water, maybe an inch thick. And on the, mm-hmm. on the opposite side of the water from where you were spraying the paint were like three or four of the biggest fans. They almost looked like, you know, propellers of, a, of an old plane. They would they would suck the air through the water thing, and so at the end of the day, all the paint vapor would to essentially get that, would to actually, get the little things. Yeah, and, and at the end of a week, you'd look down on this trough. God, you could have pulled a wheelbarrow full of crap out of there, the sticky, crummy looking <sighs> stuff. But the Michigan City uh, nuclear nuclear plant, the coal plant that looks like a nuclear plant, does the same thing with the coal gas. So if you look down the side of what the thing it looks like, it's nuclear. There's all this water that's rushing. So they essentially uh-huh. put, plus in, in, in the U.S., nobody uses, like, Illinois coal. For those that don't know, Illinois sits on probably the biggest coal reserve in the world, right? That there's like, but it's all bituminous coal, which is high sulfur. So nobody uses it for anything anymore mm-hmm. in this country. But, but guess what? We're exporting it to China because they're using it. And the coal you see coming from Wyoming is what, anthracite? Uh, there's another name for it. It's it, whatever, it, but it's 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 much, it's harder, lower sulfur coal. I looked mm-hmm. up your uh, why Zion was shut down. I guess Mark Kirk didn't like it, that it was so close to a water supply, so uh-huh. they wanted it to uh, be the waste to be farther away. All right, okay. Well, that's a reason to shut I down. Thought, I, I I thought you needed a big water supply for a nuclear. <laughs> well, you do. You you don't want it to be. Oh, okay. A freshwater, because the one down in... Uh, I thought that was part of the whole thing. And that's what, why it, what's the one southwest yeah. of the city, Greg? Because I, I, I was down there. Rudd and I were driving around. I, I'd never been by the place. There's this massive... I don't know if it's a man-made it's lake, like, but it, it captured... Uh, it's the one southwest. But it, it, we went by there. It was like two below zero, Russell. The amount... Uh-huh. The, the lake was the coolest looking thing because the water in there is hot because it's it's cool in the plant. And, if, and it's... It's you know it's uh, vaporizing into the air and it's on a two below zero day, uh, but anyway, I mean, you know the stuff, the stuff we're shipping somewhere else, that that plant in China, I'll bet is nowhere Braidwood near generation station. Which one? Braidwood. Yeah, Braidwood. Generation. That's the one. Yeah, Will County, and it was uh, originally built by Commonwealth Edison. Yep. And then transferred to Exelon. Well, which is which two is two Westinghouse pressurized water reactors. Yeah, what, is so Westinghouse that name? Eighty-seven and eighty-eight. Is that name even around anymore? They were bought by the Japanese, weren't they, Russell? I don't know who bought that brand, but um, I yeah. wouldn't be surprised. They did a lot of the, uh, I think, all, all the, the the turbines and stuff at the Hoover Dam are all mm-hmm. Westinghouse. 
Who picked up that business? Is it GE? Uh, Toshiba originally, and then Brookfield. But are they still sort of around? I've been to the. Yeah. Because I mean, somebody makes those big high power I high power stuff. Good. Yeah. Yeah, they, it was. You were right with the Japanese. I think. Uh, Two thousand. Or at least the nuclear division is what. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Russell, when we come back from break, let's uh, dig more into where is with the a lot of the economic policy decisions being made right now. I don't sense the same back and forth with uh, academia as I as I did before. No, it's not, it, it's not there. That, that to be that, so. Yeah, when we go back, but yeah, because it's a. And I think that's a real. There. That's a real. You get a couple of alleged economists on CNBC spouting somebody's politics, but you don't you don't really hear anybody talking about real economics, I don't think. SP Futures down one, NASDAQ Futures up 25, be right back. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Good luck with your layoffs, all right? I hope your firings go really well. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, Norfolk, Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom. I'm Craig Pappas on the board. SP Futures down one. As a futures up 24. We're somewhat muted, muted here after a big update yesterday. Uh, we have the Dow up 11. Uh, let's see where our buddy Goldman Sachs is. Uh, they came out, they missed on earnings, and for a while it was only down 80 cents, but now they're down 5 bucks. It's a percent and a half. It's still not massive. We had some really big moves on some uh, earnings, and uh, some areas that have come back here, all of a sudden the healthcare area has just come back with uh, with an absolute vengeance. Uh, I watch uh, one of the, well, I watch it because it's in the Dow, and I have all these stock in the Dow up here. But this uh, United Health. These guys were, let me get the exact number here. They were, uh, oh, come on, a steady hand. Uh, they were 451 on 712, and now we're, uh, we're 505. So, you know, that's that's a lot. You know, it's 50, you know, that's, uh, what is that, 10 percent, 11, 12 percent in, in what, three, four days? I mean, that's a, that's a big, you know, these stocks are starting to move now. 
they're, they're moving dramatically. I don't know if we're going to get Russell's opinion on that. I, I, I mean, I don't know how healthy that is, but obviously it's healthy if you're long and it's up. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Asia, uh, the Nikkei up 402, 1.2%. Hang Seng down 63, 0.3% back under 19,000. Uh, Shanghai up a buck, call that one flat. So we got a way up, we got a little bit down, and we got a flat. Uh, yesterday, a big move to the upside. Dow uh, 366 to the upside. A lot of that was Microsoft, which is up over 20 bucks there for a bit. And it finished up like 15 or so. S&P was up 32. NASDAQ was up 108. So a big up day. Uh, DAX down 21. This is today. Uh, down 1%. FTSE up 118. Uh, they claim that their inflation is... Uh, is cooling and the and the the, uh, the which we'll talk about in a second. The British pound is actually down a lot today, so that the market is up before that. Kakaran up up 17.2%. Uh, We've got the bonds down five basis points now, 3.73. Still nowhere near the over four it was two weeks ago. Uh, Bund up down two basis points, 2.32. Japan down one at 0.46. We've got oil up 46 cents now, 76.21 is keeps creeping here. As a matter of fact, it's looking like it's getting out of its range. Uh, the range was more like 68 to 73, and now we're 76, so might be a breakout here. Uh, Brent up 60 cents, 80.26. Natural gas down 3 cents, 259. Gold, which has had a good week, is actually up a buck. Uh, 1981, it was down a little bit earlier. Silver up a dime, 25.36. Uh, we've got crypto up 172 now, but still not quite 30,000, 29,947. And as I just mentioned, the euro is uh, down a little bit, which means the dollar is up at 112 on the euro. Pound, however, is down almost a full percent, uh, down 124, so back to 129. But still, we started out like the month probably at 127, so it's still up some. Yeah, yeah, a lot of stuff there, Greg. What do you have for us, Trevi Weather Sports? Morning, everyone. 734. Chicago, we've got 67 degrees, high of 77. Phoenix, it's 94 right now, high of 115 today. Traffic, Kennedy to the interchange is uh, 70 minutes. Same thing with uh, Edens. That's 70 minutes also. Inbound, Eisenhower, Wolf to the interchange, 36. The Ryan, 95th to the interchange, 21. And the Stevenson from 294 is 35 minutes to the interchange. Sports, White Sox lose in Queens. The Sox lost 10 to 11 to the Mets. Diamondbacks win in Atlanta, 16 to three. The Cubs win over the Nationals, 17 to three in a blowout at Wrigley. That's all I got, Chief. A late-inning blowout. The guy was pitching for the Nationals in the ninth or the bottom of the eighth. Everybody up. How many hits in a row did he give up? Like ten. I can pull it up. It was it was absolutely incredible. The, the, I the know guy, they were like he could have, they they were almost gonna. I almost thought my phone was gonna ring, calling for the righty. You know, mm-hmm. the uh, underhand. You know, um, twelve t- twelve teams scored in the double digits yesterday. Yeah, Major League Baseball. So that's well, uh, you know that they, they 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 do you think the the pitch clock is uh is helping the offense in addition to making the game quicker without a doubt um yeah the uh yeah. Our, our our executive producer who was off in uh, Vegas this week Mr. Matt Weber had some uh s- study that uh, not not so much the starters Russell cuz most of those guys are uh-huh. you know two three sometimes four pitches and they and they like being in a rhythm especially with nobody yeah. on base. But the relief yeah. pitchers where you come in and, you just, and every pitch is supposed to be a max effort pitch, max effort meaning throw it as hard as you can, which the starters, yeah. the starters really never do. Maybe, maybe three, they four times. Them, they pace themselves beautifully. Right, but they but right. they have such great arms yeah. that their pacing themselves is 
is 93, 94 anyway, right? But but still, yeah. they could probably launch one up if they wanted to, but they're not going to. I mean, if they, unless they really need it. Uh, so anyway, he said, if, according to a study, every second you can wait between pitches nudges your your uh, your speed up on the next pitch by like a tenth of a mile an hour or something. So there there definitely is a reason if you're throwing as hard as you can to take more than eight seconds to rest between pitches. And as a guy mm-hmm. used to pitch, I, I get that. Uh, so even uh, Deshaies and the Cubs talks about it. Steve Stone mentioned it the other night I was watching the Sox. He goes, if you're a relief pitcher and all of a sudden you're getting you're getting clobbered, then not being able to wander around and rest, rest for 15 seconds is a big deal when you just got to keep bringing it. It's not like softball where it's just underhand and you just bring it. I mean, it's, I mean for you to have to you know, hit and all of a sudden you're maybe you go cover first base, you run over there, and then you only have eight seconds to throw the next. It's not eight; it's twenty seconds to throw the next pitch. Uh, mm-hmm. You're, you know, or if, if you have to run behind third because of an overthrow, something like that. I mean, it's you, you. It can it can catch up to you pretty fast. Yeah, yeah. You know, just, uh, I mean, these guys are you know highly conditioned, but still, uh, pitching is a big deal. <laughs> it's a uh, yeah. It's a it's a big deal. It's an unnatural thing that somebody's doing, and they yeah. I can I can see not get. I wasn't necessarily thinking of it as much from the rest standpoint, just as the uh, you know the 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 batter the batter doesn't have to the, the batter doesn't have to wait as long to see each pitch. Well, but so it's also but you don't where they use the term you don't have as much time to gather yourself if you're off a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah. The pitcher doesn't have enough time to gather themselves for sure, and the batter can take advantage of that. Yeah. Plus, you can't come okay. out and, and and everybody can't come talk to them and stop the game that way and all that stuff like they used to. Yeah. Uh, but you know, was, they interviewed <laughs> they interviewed a bunch of I, I don't know why they was guys could probably feel the same way. They interviewed a bunch of younger lady fans, and the conclusion was they hate it. Because when they go to the game, they wanted to be able to sit there for three and a half hours in the sun and drink beers and have a good time. And now it's only two and a half hours. It's over? That was it? That was it? I only had two beers and I didn't get enough uh, sun? What am I doing here? What's the story? Yeah, well, that's it. Can we stay here? Yeah, okay. So what uh, <laughs> you would think when, when we get back to the, I'm not saying that the professors uh, know everything, but I think a lot of them know a lot. I don't, you get the connection between somebody's Council of Economic Advisors and, you know, the Republican guy was Larry Kudlow was Trump's economic advisor. And you see other other people in there. I don't know that I'd want any of those people teaching my kids. They're so overwhelmed by politics. How do they even give an economic statement, Russell? Yeah, they couldn't. I, I, I wouldn't. I, I think I actually have a lot of respect for Larry Kudlow, but uh, I don't think he'd be very good at teaching a class. Well, I don't have a, at all. I don't have disrespect <laughs> for him, man, because I yeah. Actually, no, here, I he's, here, here he's a a very nice fellow. But how do how do you, how does a guy who's on TV as an expert talk about the last year of the Bush administration as the Goldilocks economy and the greatest story never told when underneath it all was this massive unraveling of everything yeah. of everything we you know? And I heard somebody the other day talk about. Somebody from the Biden administration talking about the Goldilocks economy. I said, "Don't jinx it! <laughs> don't don't jinx uh, it!" I mean, uh, well, you know, you, you you say that, and um, 
you, you know, I, my my oldest just you know just graduated, and she she took some AP classes. The uh, the textbook in the U.S. that is used for AP economics is written by Paul Krugman. Uh, why does that make me nervous? I I, I think it would make a lot of people nervous. So uh, I have a, I, you know I should look at it. it, it there, there's actually a spot in our house right now that the books they're reselling is, are sitting on a shelf. Uh, the ones they don't need anymore. I should go grab his book and look at it. What do I you really should, just just out of curiosity's sake, you know, and, and try to look at it with uh, not looking for bias. Why? Uh, no, I have no idea. I just I just know the name on the front of the book. I you know I, I, I I'm calling myself out here because uh, ever since about this time last year when I saw what book she was going to have to use, I was like, oh my goodness. But I never actually looked in the book to see if it's just a pure, you know, if if, if it if it's opinionated or not. So, well, you know, some people I read it. Some people actually do, do amazingly good work. I'm not going to say in their early life, but do amazingly good work on on technical stuff, and then all of a sudden they get this political agenda, and it it, it all seems to leave them or something. Uh, you yeah. Know, the first one I came across, and I I bet this is uh, before your time. Remember uh, Joe Granville or the name? Yeah. Well, my yeah. My, he, he what, had a market letter or something along those lines. But one of my first uh, clients, um, boy, I could tell stories about this guy, but he was a, a, a huge developer down in Phoenix. He was probably the second biggest developer next to Keating. Uh, you know, everybody knows what happened to Keating. Well, my buddy, my well, this guy, long before he was my buddy, uh, managed to somehow see the handwriting on the wall and, and off to bunch of his properties before the crash happened. Uh, we're talking about mm-hmm. the, uh, the, 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 not the 2000, it was the 1991, right? It was, uh, uh, what do you call it, the, uh, the George Bush 1 was in office, and it was the mm-hmm. uh, savings and loan fiasco. Or what year was that? It was, uh, was that 80-something? Yeah, it was 80-something. Was that late 80s? Yeah. And uh, anyway, he, he managed to get out with his skin and still had places uh, and, he, and he, he was on the board of some savings and loan I think they even saved that place to a certain extent but uh, the, the the guys who uh, were, were in that whole mess I mean he, he, to get back to Joe Granville this guy became a very he was a, he was a Merrill Lynch broker like in the 50's in Columbus, Indiana of all places which is right near where you are uh, but yeah, but, no, but still yeah, kept trading, and he and he became a. Uh, I don't I don't have any of this stuff, so it's not like I, I'm trying to give people investment advice because I don't know it myself. He was also kind of a mathematician, and he was a navigator on a on a B B twenty four or something. He and he he took Joe Granville had a uh, technical system before he became mm-hmm. before he became nationally known as the biggest bear in the world. He had a technical system that actually was really good. So mm-hmm. my, this friend of mine, back, I think it was, remember Future Source? It was, there, was, there was a charting system that was like the cat's ass, better than just about anything. Uh, and I, they, I don't know if they're still out of business, I don't know if they're out of business, they're still around. But you were able to put the tech, he had four monitors back then. Can you imagine? Because the guy had nothing about Oh, my going. gosh. Yeah, he had. And he, had like, he was probably sweating sitting in front of four oh, monitors. Oh, God. But he had, but but he would have joke. He had four different technical systems going, on four different screens. 
and when they all co- coincided with a buy or a sell, um, that he would engage. And but he would mostly it was commodities. You know, could be could yeah. be, could be uh, you know cattle, could be corn, could be wheat. But what he found out was after he put back in the day, Russell, he put two hundred fifty thousand dollars in account, not with PTIs before he met us, and he. At the end of a year, with all this work, with all these trades, he was pretty much break-even. And he was very despondent, and he said, you know, I'm usually right, but I'm also always early. I always get stopped out, because whenever you put something in, you mm-hmm. stop. And for those who don't know, if you if you buy corn at, at 5 bucks, with a stop, with a sell stop at four at 490, means if you're wrong, it's all 490. If it hits 490 or is, or is offered below... Then it becomes a market order to sell down there. So he'd always get stopped out. So what he started doing is regre- re, uh, time regression analysis on every single commodity he traded, and he found out that every single commodity had a different lag to the technical stuff. Mm-hmm. Soybeans might have been five days. Cattle was like two weeks. Some of the metals were like three weeks. So the only one he couldn't he couldn't deal with was the S and P because it was it was it was very difficult. There was no delay factor there. But he ended up, once he started doing that, the guy was doing spectacularly on stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, but anyway, Joe Granville, he said he had one of the best actual systems before he became he was the guy back in August of 82, he was short forever and was considered to be like the absolute guru. But then once interest rates going down, hey, an orangutan could have told you the market's going up, right? When interest yeah. rates go from twelve to eight, the market's going up. And he every day, every day, his his, his newsletter came out, and the top of the thing in big mm-hmm. letters was "sell all stocks." Well, he was bearish. From he, he was all like right. he was like the, that generation's Kathy Wood, buy all this crap and go from one hundred to twenty type of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Only he was actually more followed. He didn't, I don't think he managed money, but 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 uh, anyway, that's was was his shtick. But then he got we're saying he got politically co opted because. He became like a Tom Lee. I'm I'm just a bull. I mean, an, an asteroid be coming from New York, and Tom Lee tell you why it was bullish because that's what he does. You know, yeah. I mean, that's it's just kind of different. And what you're saying is, you can. I, my guess is the the book you're talking about was before the man got co-opted. And it's probably actually pretty good economic stuff. Oh, you mean the the Krugman yeah e- econ book for yeah. AP the, yeah and, and like I I backed into it. I think there's. You know, six figures of kids that have to take this, that take the exam every year, and, and a bunch of them get to get to buy that book from him. He's, I, I wouldn't be doing anything else. I'd be on a, I'd be on an island if I was getting that revenue stream. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's yeah. because how many how many editions uh, is he up to? I bet if it's ten I years, don't it's know. ten. I'm, ad- I'm I'm wandering around Rhodes Manor right now trying to find the book. Is a. Uh, is there a new edition every single year? So every every year is uh, obsolete. I, I feel like I, I I do know that my kid bought her book new. So <laughs> there always was a different color, uh, something. There was always something different in the damn thing. But uh, mm-hmm. so what? I mean, if, if there was, are you a? Um, I want two questions. I want to ask me a few. Um, did you listen to Hal? Are you a proponent, or do you know enough to talk about it? I always kind of scoot hell by it because I don't fully understand it. Of the Austrian school. Of economics, what that's all about? Not as well as I should, you know, because my because my focus is derivatives in in the finance space, right. so not as well as I should. Just to be very straightforward about it. Because I, uh, I I lobbed this one uh, last time I was with my Fed buddies, 
I said, you know, there's a school of thought that says there's, there's really no such thing of Keynesian economics in real time. And they looked at me like I had 45 heads. Uh, when I say there's no such thing, in, in theory there is such a thing, but every single time, for, for those, I'll explain this real quickly, because uh, I don't want to bore everybody. Uh, the Keynesian economics means, isn't, isn't the basis of it, Russell, that if, if you increase taxes or increase spending and go into maybe a deficit spending and you borrow money from the people, okay, that since people, I don't know if they do it anymore, people used to save, what, 10, 20% of, of their income? And if the government taxed it, that the government doesn't save anything, that they would essentially spend more in the short term and stimulate the economy more than people would because they're saving some of it. Isn't that kind of the, 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 uh, the cornerstone of, 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 of a Keynesian expansion? Something yeah, like? pretty much. I mean, pretty much. And what, I, what this new theory says, the, the monetarist side is, you pour more money into the system, or you drag money out to to tweak the system. Right, and right. Uh, and that's uh, and now there's modern monetary theory that that is a bit more extreme. Uh, I'm going to say modern monetary theory is total BS. Oh yeah, no, I would I, I would agree with that. But I, I guess what I'm yeah. I, what I tried to lob on my guys because I love to startle the dudes over at the Fed. Somebody is an economic. I, I should know. Is an economic historian? He said. There's never once been a pure Keynesian move by a government without the central bank helping them out. There's there's never actually been I a can time. See that. There's that never actually been a time to where they said, okay, we're going to raise tax or we're going to raise taxes, increase spending, we're going to pull more to our side, or we're going to go into some kind of a deficit thing where we're just going to borrow money and spend more, or borrow money and tax less, which really is that's the two Republican. Borrow money and tax less is the Republican mantra. Borrow money and spend more is the Democratic mantra, right? They're all, they're all the mm-hmm. point of spending more they don't have. So there's, there's never been a case in like any developed country where the central banker said, screw you, I'm not helping you, a one stinking dollar. They always add a little money in there to make it a little easier for them to borrow. So yeah, you, you could make absolutely. the case that it's always monetary policy and never fiscal policy. But it's it's always monetary. I see my 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 reasoning behind it being it's always monetary policy versus fiscal policy. Is fiscal policy is a freaking nightmare to to adjust, and you, it's so difficult to adjust on a short period of time to fix the economy that it, unless we're in an extreme situation like you know, let's send checks to everybody because nobody can go to work during COVID. Um, which I do, you know, I agree with that sort of thing. But um, the fiscal policy, it, it's it's all fallen on the monetary policy, which is, and it's also at the same time been more difficult to manage things monetary policy. And then those guys get criticized for it. Well, that's right. And uh, yeah, it's, I I would not be uh, yeah, I, not that anybody's knocking on the door or anything, but I wouldn't want to be a Fed governor to save my life. Well, but. They're they're totally they're totally beholding to the administration. They're they're, they're not independent yeah. at all. Well, not necessarily the administration, but just in general, you know, you want uh, fiscal and monetary policy working together, and fiscal policy is just irresponsible. Well, and, and, and so fiscal policy is focused on 
it's focused on the next two years to make sure that your party stays in power. It's not looking at the long-term good of everybody. Well, that's right, and it's it really it, isn't. Is it, whereas the, I like to believe that the Fed is trying to manage the. I mean, they've got to respond to what's going on short term, but they they want a long-term trend of you know moderate inflation and the best employment that you can get. Well, and people in hell want ice water too, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, I and I don't I don't see how you can whatever they're doing. I mean, I, I mean, someday, however many more years uh, all of us have, I would like to look back and do a, a study and actually, well, I need your help to write a book. I'd like to write a book of, uh, if you get somebody in Chicago to do it for me. Um, uh-huh. if, you, if you just took Fed policy changes, you know, pouring money in the market, oh, no, too much, pulling it back out. If you did about a six-month regression on that versus the stock market, I'm going to say in my lifetime in the business, Virtually every single big market move has been caused by the Fed. Doing, I can see that. Doing, doing stuff wrong. Doing, doing anything but, let's get the money supply up three percent a year and just, you know, parrot parrot the growth and just let everything go. That's what we should do. If they, by not doing that, I think they've caused virtually every single major move in the market. Major violent move in the market, be it up or down. You think they were responsible? You think they were... How are they responsible for what happened with the internet? With the internet boom? Uh, the the last part of the, the, the top, the topping off of... Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they weren't responsible for... I mean, they weren't responsible for railroads running ahead. They're, they're not responsible for rampant yeah. speculation in different areas. But I'm going to say if the Fed did not pour money into the system in ni- late 1999 for the non-existent Y2K alleged going to be problems that you never yeah. would have you never would have had the peak in the market anywhere near as high as it was that money didn't didn't go into ATM machines in case people wanted 20 dollar bills it went in the market like it always does yeah so no they they didn't, they didn't create the, the the dot you know everybody trying to buy a dot com company but the the amount of the the wash of money that came in with it accelerated the price, made the prices higher. Let's put it, it that did, way. Did not it, it didn't it didn't help by trying to put the fire out with gasoline? Is right, that that's exactly what I'm, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> you just said it absolutely. Yeah. So instead of those things peaking wherever they did, you know, Cisco might have peaked at fifty instead of sixty five or something. It wasn't like people mm-hmm. didn't love Cisco, right? Yeah, I mean, the Fed didn't cause that. I don't think. No, but then, uh, but then when they have to turn around and pull it all back, then, then when there was a, I don't know if you were listening yesterday. We only, we got five minutes. Uh, uh, Jeff Cox, who's on CNBC all the time, uh, he, he wrote an article. And I should have it in front of me, but because I'm going to kind of quote it. But since I did it twice, he had two paragraphs right in a row, uh, Russell. And the first one was, the Fed is is trying to uh, cut back and fight the huge inflationary bubble that is. Has hit us in the last three years. Then the next thing they were talking about getting the inflation rate back down to two percent. And I said, this man just, without even knowing it, maybe, just encapsulated the whole issue. There's this massive bubble, and oh, by the way, what's the rate going forward? And all day long, people talk about those two things like they're in it, they're the same problem and it's interchangeable. They're not. They're totally separate. Mm-hmm. Getting the current rate down to two percent going forward 
is a goal, a direction, probably the right one. But are you going to leave the last two-and-a-half-year bubble at 35 40% that people are really struggling with? Two totally separate issues, in my opinion. What do you think? You mean the bubble with inflation? Yeah. Yeah, that I, you know, that we're kind of stuck in a bad spiral on that one, uh, where that you, you you can't afford to live in this day and age, period. Yeah, you know, we we've talked about this extensively. About and you talked about you know what it takes is is part as uh, a percentage of your salary uh, to own a home, to get a down payment for a home, all of those sorts of things. We talked about that last week. Yep. And uh, you know. How do you make all of that better? Uh, the last thing in the world they want to do is deflate prices. Um, so you got to get everybody's income to catch up so that your quality of life goes back to, you know, the way that it could have been 20, 30 years ago based on, you know, a two-income household, et cetera. How about, how about four years ago? Uh, and, and Yeah, or, yeah. I mean, it, it's gotten worse very quickly. I have, I have noticed that. Um, I mean, it's not it's not just having teenagers that drive and go off to college and all that stuff. Everything seems to be much, much, much more expensive. And you know, so what happens? Do you you know do wages catch up? So, that, but then if wages catch up, uh, how do you how do you get your purchasing power back up to where it was in the past? Because when wages go up, that's just going to feed through and create more inflation. Well, to uh. So, you know, a couple so minutes. how do you, how do you, how do you fill the gap? Well, how do you, how do you? Well, let's put it this way: How do you solve it if you don't even recognize it? We're not even we're not even letting people recognize it. There's two two principles. Individuals individuals recognize it, but the the ivory tower folks don't. Well, I mean, uh, t- we only have a couple they, minutes. They don't. They, next, they truly don't. Because next week I want to talk to you. I'm going to try and find a, my Milton Friedman book and uh, bring it in next week when we're in. I threatened hell with that too, but let's let's look at the United Airlines pilots deal. Uh, I've heard people actually tell me, "God, forty percent!" And all I did on TV listen to these guys are getting this forty percent raise. I'm going to say Russell that they have not gotten a raise somewhere between one and three years. They've been fighting over this contract, so let, let's take a wild stab and say two years. They haven't gotten yeah, a raise at least. At least. Uh, I bet they haven't got to raise all the way through COVID. But let, let's be nice and oh, say... Oh, yeah, that's, a, that's exactly what I was thinking with yeah. the three to four years. So, okay, let's yeah. be nice and say two. And now, over the next four, they're going to get a 40% raise. All right, so let's say that's six. That, that, yeah, that brings them back to kind of where they should be. Well, I'm going to say... Where they were maybe eight years ago. I'm going to say that at the end of four years, they're 10 to 15% behind. From where I think the inflation really Still, is. Still, yeah, they're not. It's, it, 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 catching up is impossible. But everybody's convinced. Oh my God, these guys! And, and the weird part is, if you were to go and ask, I mean, not your students, hopefully. If you were to go and ask, why are my airline fares going up? There's going to be some. I won't say dummy because a guy could be a nuclear physicist. There's going to be somebody who says, "Well, for God's sake," because the pilots. The pilot just got a raise. Yet you and I know, Russell, that the airlines have already <laughs> raised the prices. Where's yeah. that where's that dough going? Well the pilots haven't gotten dime one yet, have they? 
So we're probably going to see a little bit more. Well, but I'm saying, what are they doing? Buying stock with it? Is it bonuses? It's it's just a bad, bad, bad cycle. And I don't really, I I don't know how how you you fix it. And I don't know what the long term implications are. Is it like a slow boil that that we've just become used to? This is the way life is today, and, and we haven't, you know, because we didn't fast forward from 30 years ago we don't we, we don't realize how much the change is i think we were immune we, to I mean, it aver- yeah. i mean the average person carl's convinced we'll, we'll leave on this note carl's convinced that you absolutely have to pull the money out of the system at least like half of it as fast as you put it in even if it costs the market yeah i mean i that, that, that's what i i feel like you could if there was a long-term disciplined approach it could work, but that you know, if if I snap my fingers, uh, maybe a piece of paper with tonight's lottery numbers would fall in my lap as well. Well, yeah, the ideal situation is. Uh, I mean, that we're talking about impossibilities here. Well, even so, though everybody's got this price level basically jammed where the sun don't shine, the way you'd love to see it happen is to play mm-hmm. out where the Fed does get the inflation rate going forward down to two percent, and miraculously. Everybody averages a five percent raise for the next ten years. I, yeah, I, I think there's a chance of that happening. Is about as remote as me being a jockey in the fifth race today. Exactly. Yeah. And and I know you. That's not happening. It would have to be a pretty big horse. It would have to be a large horse. You're, you're, the Clydesdales are up next. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's not. <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> shot fired, shot fired. All right, well, I deserve I it. No, I'm just going. You, you started it. I know. You're, and you're a very, you are a very, you are a tall person. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm just not a jack. I'm going more with you being tall than ah, anything else. <laughs> not to mention, not to mention, I don't know how to, the last time I was on a horse, I fell off. So I, I have no desire to get on one of those things. So I love horses. I, I'll, as long as I can bet on them, kind of thing. Or if Audrey has one. Yeah. I'll clean a stall for her horse. I'll do that, but that's about it. Anyway, SP Futures up to you. Take care of yourself. Am I ever going to see you? I ask you this every week. I'll get down there. I promise I'll get down there. By the way, you should have come down. I should have called you yesterday because uh, my Fed buddy was in town. Next time he comes in, you should come down uh, meet, those, meet those guys. Uh, that's that's how you have to get me downtown right there. All right, bud. I'll do that. SP Futures up to NASDAQ Futures up 33. Looks like we're up another update. Uh, back tomorrow, Stacks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.